Hello everyone and welcome back to the Tools They Use podcast. It is good to be back. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, a familiar voice and face you would have heard. Uh, he's been on Keep Productive before. He is quite the expert in Trello and many other applications and he runs the YouTube channel Simpletivity. So Scott, it is great to have you back. Uh, for those who are maybe new to your uh, brilliance, uh, maybe you could introduce yourself. Fantastic. Francesco, thank you so much for having me on the uh, podcast. Excited to be here. And yeah, always excited to, uh, to interact with your followers and, and your subscribers, whether they listen to you or watch you on the Keep Productive channel. So I am the, the founder of Simpletivity Training and Consulting. And of course, my YouTube channel is a big part of that. And you already mentioned some of the tools, especially Trello, it's probably what I'm best known for from a uh, technology or software point of view. But beyond just the tech side of things, you know, I really help individuals and organizations to not only be more productive and get more done, but to enjoy less stress, to feel more in control of their day. So, you know, as I analyze and as I review different pieces of technology, I always seem to be looking at it through that lens, right? Is it going to be adding more uh, clout? Is it going to be adding more noise and just another thing you have to review and check in on? Or is it actually going to simplify? Is it actually going to help you as a part of your day? So, you know, whether it's through uh, live workshops, whether it's speaking at conferences or producing content uh, online, trying to help uh, both individuals and teams get the, get the most out of their day. Yeah, and, and your channel's absolutely fantastic. Um, you have come on Prodcom before as well uh, and dived into into more applications, but also that that sort of um, simplification for businesses and individuals. So it, it's great to have you again. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to hear uh, this podcast and, and get it out because I think it's going to be great. Um, obviously, on the, the tools I use, we sort of dive into a range of you know what softwares you're using but we also try and sort of uh, understand the person and what their typical day is like and and then which recommendations they have so um i think that's a as a good starting question um what does a typical day look like for you scott Fantastic. Well, you know, today and for for uh, for me, it's uh, it's uh, it's Monday, and uh, so this would be a fairly typical day, and probably one of my favorite days of the week. I might add, I I love Mondays. I not I know not everyone can say that. <laughs> But Monday is actually perhaps one of my favorite day of the week because I've rested over the weekend. I've sort of put things behind me for a bit and I love jumping into a new work week. But yeah, to give you a bit of an overview of what my typical day looks like, uh, number one, I start things off quite early, very early. Uh, I start out my day at 5 a.m. And I've actually done this for a little over a decade now. I wouldn't actually refer to myself as an early bird because that's really not part of my past in terms of, uh, you know, when I was a younger adult or a teenager or, or anything like that. I didn't have a father who was in the military. I mean, there was nothing, <laughs> no need for me to get up at that time. But uh, when I was a young parent, when I had two uh, small children, toddlers at that time, um, I found that they were waking me up before my desired time. And it was really frustrating me, even though, you know, it was often just a few minutes before the start of the day. 
you know, even if it was just 10 or 15 minutes before my time, the time that I had set to get up, it was like one of my kids would, would wake up or, or maybe some other noise outside, such as uh, the crows that happened to be in my neighborhood at the time would wake me up. And finally, I was just sick. I was just sick of getting up, uh, you know, sort of in that grumpy mood on the, on the wrong side of the bed. So I quickly went up and, and looked and, see, and saw, you know, what, what's the earliest that the sun rises in my neck of the woods? And for those who don't know, I'm based out of Vancouver, Canada. And for me here in my geographic area, the earliest that the sun rises is approximately 5.02, right? Like in the middle, in the dead middle of summer, the sun rises at 5.02. And right then I said to myself, okay, that's it. I'm going to beat those crows, <laughs> Not, not literally, not physically. I'm not going to go out and beat yeah. those crows, but I, I'm going to beat them to waking up. They're no longer going to wake me up. I'm going to wake up well in advance of my two small kids. And for any of you who are parents, you know that you know kids basically they run on their own schedule as well. And that's when I started waking up at 5 a.m. And it wasn't easy. Certainly wasn't easy to transition. But I've never looked back because I find it's a big key to how productive I am in a given day. Um, you know, in that first hour and a half, in those first two hours, I get a lot more done than I used to get done before lunch, you know, before noon. I've got no distractions, virtually no distractions. The rest of my family isn't awake. I'm not receiving phone calls. I'm not receiving emails. So yeah, I start my day pretty, uh, pretty early. Uh, I'll usually do a little bit of light reading just to sort of ease myself in, try to read something uh, a little positive, whether it's a, you know, a blog article uh, or something along those likes. And then I usually will dive into email for approximately a half hour, maybe as much as 45 minutes. And my purpose of starting with email is I only touch email a handful of times throughout the day. And so the reason why I want to start with about 30 to 45 minutes of email is that I will ignore my inbox until closer to 11.30 or noon. You know, I, I want to forget it. I want to really shut down and minimize my email so I can focus on more uh, important things. So that's some of the things that I'm doing first thing in the morning. Uh, I then get some exercise, go out and go for about a half hour jog. I've been a runner for, uh, for a long time. Uh, I used to run longer distances like, like marathons and that type of thing. I don't do that so much anymore. It's really more just to work up a, a bit of a sweat, get my heart rate going. So I do get my exercise in every, uh, every day, which I, again, I do feel contributes to my energy and my productivity. That really helps me throughout the, the rest of the day. Uh, there's a few other family-related things. Get to have breakfast with my, uh, with my boys. I've got three sons. Um, uh, get, to, get to spend some time with my wife before she heads off to work. I drop off the kids to school on most uh, on most days, and then I'm back home at about uh, approximately 8.30 or 8.45, and that's sort of when I start my, I guess you could say my official workday beyond that early morning email session. And, you know, of course, between those hours, things can vary uh, a little bit. I may have uh, some coaching calls. I may have some phone calls to make or interviews. Often in the mornings is when I'm recording or shooting my uh, YouTube videos and, and my content, uh, that type of thing. Um, I'll break for, for lunch, uh, approximately uh, maybe a 45-minute uh, lunch break. Um, and then get back to work. And whether that's, uh, again, refining maybe a presentation that I'm working on, um, you know, doing something uh, online uh, before, and I want to include this as well, before I take a power nap. 
Uh, my friends, I know they, they often say that they're a little jealous because I do work from a home office being my own boss. I'm pretty flexible with my time, but this is something that I've tried to incorporate in my day, even when I did work in a corporate office in a, in a traditional um, office environment. This is something I even did as a university student, the, the benefits of a short power nap. Um, you know, I know you've got a question for me, I believe later in, in the podcast about some of the things that we're reading, some of the things that I've been reading lately. And something that I've read in just the last few months uh, really seems to hit that home, the importance of having just a short, brief power nap so that you can, you know, again, continue on and work at your productive best as part of the uh, the rest of the day. Um, just maybe to wrap things up, I, I would say that I finish my day relatively early. Um, it helps that I start early. You know, I've got that early morning email session, but I am done with work at about 3 p.m. And that happens to be the time when my boys get home from school. Um, I try to structure my day so that I can spend quality time with them. I can talk with them and, and enjoy a snack with them and that type of thing. And so on most days, unless it's an emergency, unless it's something out of the ordinary, out of the ordinary I am done with work at, uh, at 3 p.m. and try to structure the rest of my evening for either family, uh, volunteer work, uh, maybe hanging out with a friend and, and that type of thing. And I'll finish off my day with about uh, 45 minutes of reading. And I'm sure some of your listeners are probably wondering, well, if you get up at five, when do you go to bed, Scott? Well, yeah, it's probably earlier than many of you, but uh, my goal is to try and hit, the, uh, hit my pillow uh, by 10 p.m. so I can get a good seven hours of sleep before I do it all over again. So that's a bit of a, bit of a summary of my, uh, of my typical day. And so far, uh, that's how today's day is being structured as, uh, as well. I love it. I love it. And and I like how you've adapted it around uh, your sort of situational um, and scenarios that are in your life at the moment. That's what I quite like. Um, and, and of course, you'll have to uh, begin to share me some of the resources about the power napping because I have been interested in doing that <laughs> for sure, um, especially in the afternoons um, when your sort of energy levels start, start to go. Um, yeah, no, that's, it, it's, that's a really good introduction to your sort of typical day. And and uh, obviously, tools uh, aren't as necessarily important. I think that structure really helps to define the productivity. But uh, out of curiosity, what tools do you go about using? What's your uh, current productivity setup? Sure. So if any of you who happen to be a subscriber of the Simpletivity channel, you realize that I speak a lot about Google apps and the, and the Google ecosystem. So I am a heavy user of things such as uh, Gmail, Google Calendar, Google Drive, uh, Google Keep as well. Um, so that's a, a big part of my productivity system. I think any productivity system starts with your calendar. That's really the, the foundation or the core of any productivity tool. And so I am not only using my calendar regularly throughout the day, like most individuals, but I do use it as my primary uh, to-do list as well. And so some of my more popular pieces of content on the Simpletivity channel is how to use your calendar as an effective 
to-do list or task list. And not just Google Calendar. You can use this with Outlook. You can use this with almost any type of uh, digital or online calendar. Um, Over the years, I've experimented with uh, maybe not as many as you have, because I I always refer to you as as the guru when it comes to the uh, to-do list and and productivity app space. But of course, you know, all the big names, uh, whether it's to-do Todoist, uh, Wonderlist, Any.do, uh, Remember the Milk. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I've, I've not just tested them out, but I've actually used them. I've actually tried them out for myself. And what I found over time is that I just kept coming back to my calendar because that is the, the tool that for most of us, we can't ignore, right? We've got events, we've got meetings, we've got appointments, we need to know where we're going to be. We can't ignore the calendar. For me, I wanted to, one, simplify my technology and, and reduce the number of tools I needed to uh, to go to or open up or the number of tabs I had in front of me and and just have it all in that that one place, right? Just really to simplify it in, in, in that single tool. So Google Calendar is a big part of it. Uh, Trello, of course, is another big part of it. And, and a question I frequently get is, well, how do you differentiate between the to-dos or the tasks that you have on your calendar versus the tasks or other things that you manage on Trello. And I think Trello is ideal for for projects, right? It, It is so flexible in how you can structure or lay out a project within Trello, whether it's something personal, uh, you know, many of my business projects, because I am a, a business of one, I'm, I'm using Trello for my own uh, projects and my own courses and my YouTube content and, and, and that type of thing, but also with collaborating with others. And so if it is a, a more defined project, something that is going to take several weeks or months or multiple steps, well, then I will manage that within Trello, right? I'm not going to be managing a a big, uh, heavy project with lots of dependencies and subtasks in my calendar. I want to keep that more tightly knit within a Trello board or or perhaps even multiple uh, Trello boards. So those are definitely some of the, um, you know, some of the tools that I use on a daily basis to help me stay on track. I love it. And and that's something that um, I definitely think you should come back on the Keep Productive channel again to talk about is the the calendar side of stuff. Because um, when I was starting out, I was sharing about calendars, but I wasn't really talking about you know, the, the powerful features that calendars can have. So we'll have to have you back on to talk about how you can use calendars with apps, the likes of Trello and and other to-do list apps, because I think that would be really valuable. So uh, I await an email about that, Scott. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I really liked your advice there as well. And I think that will help a lot of people at home. Um, And obviously, you've sort of touched on simplicity about um, this new fast growing application called Notion. And uh, it's something that I've probably been talking a bit too much about, but it's mainly because there are so many questions about it, people asking how to use it, how to get started. Um, What do you sort of go about? How do you go about recommending uh, between you know Notion and Trello, uh, what sort of what do you typically recommend for people to use? Uh, what situations do you recommend for people to use Trello, and, and which do they use in in Notion? Do you have any sort of general advice about that? 
Yeah, I think, you know, if we're looking at those two applications in particular, um, often in, in my experience, as I've been dealing with, uh, with clients and, and a variety of different uh, people uh, in different industries and different needs, it often comes down to their uh, comfort level you know, with the mm. tool and how much you'd like to customize the tool as well. Um, although Trello is very, very flexible in terms of how you set up your lists and your boards and the, the Kanban style, excuse me, the Kanban style. And of course, you don't need to use a Kanban style. You can use it in a variety of other ways as well. Um, but, you know, it really is sort of laid out in a fairly uh, intuitive way of, of creating uh, a project and, and quickly get you, get you running uh, very quickly with that project. Uh, you know, in my experience, Notion of, of course, has a lot more flexibility in terms of the types of things uh, you can do with it, including, you know, a simple database, um, uh, you know, a lot of automated processes that you can set up. Uh, fantastic for, for note-taking, regardless of how you note-take, you can create a template or create a structure that works for you or your team, uh, meeting agendas, et cetera. Uh, bloggers, if you want to write as, as well. Uh, I think there are some users who may be somewhat intimidated in terms of how much they can change and how much they can alter within a uh, notion infrastructure in terms of, uh, you know, some of my users, they may be a little more um, uh, confident or, or they may be just a little more used to something like an Asana or like a Trello where it's like, okay, this is where the name goes. And then this is the field for my description. Whereas Notion, of course, you can have as many description areas, uh, subtasks, bullets, uh, other things going on and really, really customize that experience. There are some people who may shy away from that and say, oh, this is, you know, th this is too much. I, I don't need quite all of this. And then there's other of us, there, there are other people who get so excited about the possibilities and like, well, I've always wanted to connect these types of pages together. And I've always wanted, uh, you know, this to happen and then for this to trigger over on a custom calendar or something else that I share with my team or, or share with a client. So I think that's sometimes a, a bit of a, a bit of a base level uh, between selecting or, or choosing between those two apps. 100%. I, I really like your advice on that because um, that's not what a lot of people sort of recommend is necessarily the, you know, comfortability with it. Like, you know, Trello could be suitable for the person that actually is comfortable with just sharing to a small group of users, sharing those boards and and really getting then like not, not complicated board set up out. But for those who do want to go a bit deeper, I think obviously, like you said, Notion's probably more suitable but I really I, I really like that recommendation so I think people will find that super valuable um, and that sort of leads me on to our, our, our final question um, the book side of stuff I know you obviously dive into a lot of uh, personal development books and uh, and I would love to carry on uh, or at least start a dialogue about uh, book recommendations of course because um, that that would be great um, but if, how many books uh, what, what books are, at the moment are you reading that are partic particularly helping work and life. 
Yeah, you know, I think reading is is such a fantastic part of of personal development, and you know, regardless whether it's productivity uh, or some other discipline or or area in your life that you're wanting to improve, I, I credit reading for uh, not only you know my knowledge in productivity and time management, but I credit reading for uh, you know the financial success and getting out of debt that I've been able to do. I, I credit reading to uh, a lot of my exercise goals and improving my my diet. I, I very much over the course of my life had the um, the opinion that if, if there's something in my life, there's, there's something that I'm either frustrated with or, or wish that I can improve, usually my very first step is to find a really good book, a book that's been uh, recommended either by my peers or, or many other individuals and, and start with that. And so, uh, you know, when it comes to productivity and time management in particular, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I've read all the sort of the same classics uh, that, that you have read as well. Uh, one that's more recent was just published within the last year uh, that I really enjoyed was When by Daniel Pink. And I've read um, uh, 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 Daniel Pink's, uh, a number of his books in the past, including uh, To Sell as Human and, uh, and Drive. I, you know, I've enjoyed his writing style, uh, incorporates a lot of very thought-provoking stories in his writing. Uh, when is the only one that I'm aware of that where he's really sort of focused on the time element, right? Sort of the, uh, it's not, it's not just a, it's not a traditional time management productivity book in terms of showing you how to attack a to-do list, but really emphasizing that it's not just the what we do, right? It's not just choosing what we do, but when we do those activities. And that's really helped me refine, you know, my daily routine, as I described at the at the beginning of the podcast, is it's not, I mean, we know exercise is good. We know reading daily is good. We know eating healthy, uh, you know, whether it's a power nap, you know, the, we know all these things are good, but often the trickier part is determining when, when is the ideal time to include uh, these types of things. And so, um, you know, as he does in his other books, uh, very well researched, uh, I love that he can back it up with uh, recent mm -hmm. studies and recent scientific uh, research. One of the things that really fascinated me uh, about his book, When, is he identifies something which he calls the uh, Bermuda Triangle. And what he refers to that is the, uh, the two hours between uh, 2 p.m., and 4 p.m. Now he calls it the Bermuda Triangle because you know if you look at a traditional face clock, it's gonna it's gonna represent a triangle there on the right hand side. But of course, for any of, any of you who are familiar with that that concept, or or maybe it's a myth of of the Bermuda Triangle, right? That ships have have sunk and gone down, and planes have gotten lost in in that area um, of the uh, of the ocean. But he relates that, and he calls it the Bermuda Triangle because our productivity as a whole, not just as an individual. But, you know, as a, as a larger group tends to take a massive, massive nosedive roughly between the hours of 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. And, you know, there's a number of factors that contribute to that. Uh, you've probably finished uh, eating your lunch and sometimes we eat a, a heavier <laughs> lunch, right? We're feeling a little more uh, sluggish. Uh, we've been awake for several hours by that time. Uh, if you happen to be a, a coffee drinker or you drink caffeine in the morning, 
this might be the time where you're you're feeling a bit of a down, right? You're you're coming off of that high. I mean, there, there's a variety of factors of of why we experience this between two and four p.m. But rather than just you know recognize it, you know, rather than just say that, well, oh, oh well, you know, what, what are we going to do? Two and four, we're all going to be a little more sluggish and maybe a little more uh, grumpy or not so kind to one another. Is how can you counter? Uh, that Bermuda Triangle? How can you avoid being sucked into that, uh, that vortex? And so, you know, one of his recommendations is to include a power nap into your day. And that sort of just sort of reinforced something that I was already incorporating into my day. But I've been a big advocate of, of power napping and, and taking, you know, just as little as, as 10 to 20 minutes. Uh, you don't necessarily even need to get to sleep, but, you know, even just to find a quiet space, right? Just to rest, just to, to close your eyes for as little as 15 minutes without distraction, without additional noise, without other things going on can have a massive positive benefit on the rest of your day. I realize that there's many people probably listening to this podcast and they, they work in a more traditional corporate environment or an office environment. And they're probably saying, there's no way I could do that. And, and I would, you know, I would encourage you to think of maybe some creative ways, whether it's going down to the parkade and just sitting in your, in your car quietly for, for a little while. Um, is, there, uh, is there a quiet lounge area or what is the quietest part of your office or your office building? Uh, could you go outside and just sit on a park bench in a, in a quieter area for a short period of time? Um, I've even used um, uh, unused meeting rooms. You know, a lot of corporate offices will have the smaller sort of two or three person uh, meeting rooms that are not used on a frequent basis. You can go in there and have a, a, have a brief rest or, or a brief uh, break from the rest of your day. And that can have a big really big impact on the rest of your afternoon and the uh, and the rest of your day. So a uh, very enjoyable read. Uh, highly recommend uh, When by uh, by Daniel Pink. Yeah, that, that is a good one. Uh, and I like I like the fact that um, it's almost like you can almost make that time back up if you are able to adopt some form of policy around, you know, whether it's power napping or taking a moment to rest. Um, you can almost make the time back up, which is quite nice. Um, it's a really, uh, a really good concept, and um, I like that. I like that book in particular as well because um, it also talked about the mornings, right? About the, you know, how that some, you know, decision making and and being able to give, um, you know, better feedback and things like that is is more prolific in the morning. Um, and that I think this week, this week I actually booked my driving test to be on the Friday at ten a.m. because I thought psychologically that's got to be right <laughs> based on that book. So fingers crossed it's right. <laughs> but all, um, no, all the that's all the a best recommendation. Yeah, all the best. Yeah, and, oh, and yeah I'm glad I'm glad that you've picked such a uh, pick such a time. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed it works. But I think that's that's really good advice, and uh, I loved all of your recommendations. So, um, and and for those listening along uh, that want to dig deeper into some of Scott's work, um, I think one of the best places to start is either simpletivity.com, Am I right? That's right. And uh, obviously the YouTube channel, um, and of course. Uh, maybe, maybe in a couple of months, the podcast, um, but depending on <laughs> depending on your schedule, of course, the back burner. But uh, it's been a- absolutely wonderful having you on. And, and obviously, um, you'll be coming on very soon to do a-, a feature on calendars, which I would really love to have. So thank you, Scott, for all your time and attention.
Well, you're most welcome, Francesco. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Looking forward uh, to collaborating with you again uh, on the uh, on the YouTube channel. You, you and I have uh, quite the history. I think it's got to be almost three years now uh, that we've been sharing content yeah. on our on our YouTube channels. It's been exciting to see both of us grow uh, over that time. So, uh, thanks for for having me on again today. No worries. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's probably been good old three years, but it's been some good time. So thanks for coming on, Scott, and, uh, and uh, we'll be talking to each other again soon. But thanks, everyone who listened along. And um, do make sure to check out all the links in the description, and I'll talk to everyone very soon. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye.